everybody. I'm Dylan Sides, and I am totally not kidnapped right now in somebody's basement uh, while I was walking down the street. I am the executive producer of uh, Revenge of the Mask, uh, coming out this October 31st uh, for our Halloween release, and uh, this is the Movie Guys podcast. Welcome, everybody, in the Movie Guys Verse. This is Jordan here, part of Movie Guys Podcast. We wanted to say thank you so much for downloading this most recent episode. If you don't know what Movie Guys Podcast is, we are a new movie review show that is updated weekly. You can check us out at movieguyspodcast.com and also movieguyspodcast.podbean.com. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another awesome episode of Movie Guys Podcast. And tonight you are listening to our celebrity interview episode. And we are talking to Dylan Sides, who is the executive producer of a new movie called The, the Revenge of the Mask. You heard it right. The Mask. Like Jim Carrey, The Mask back in the early 90s. Well, this guy has made the real comic book version the trailer just came out last month from what we can see on YouTube and has already gained 1.8 million. Check this trailer out. It's called Revenge of the Mask. And I'm joined here with Eric and Ed. Eric, how are you guys doing tonight? I, I'm real excited. I'm real excited to have the creator and executive producer on here with us. I got a lot of questions to ask him. This is, uh, this, this is great, especially because, uh, well, with such a memorable character like, like the mask, right? Right, Ed? Oh, absolutely. Like, when, when, we, when we saw your trailer, man, you know, we all got so excited, incredibly pumped up. You know, we, we all wanted to see that style for, you know, for a movie like this. And, 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 and Eric even said specifically, man, I wish this was real. And Jordan goes, well, wait a minute. It is. And that's when we, that's when we learned about you. So, so, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty pumped up, man. You know, we're, we're real excited. We love films like this. This is, this is why we all got into this. Oh yeah. So I really appreciate it. So we'll get right into the nuts and bolts of it here. The mask is clearly a, a, uh, clearly a property that's owned by Litter Studios. Oh, how yeah. do you go a part of making this movie? What happened? How did you get able to make Revenge of the Mask? Well, um, I'll start at the beginning. Is Basically, I started my career in special effects, and my first project I ever worked on, my first big film, at least, was uh, Son of the Mask. And um, I was working on it as an apprentice to my mentor and... Uh, uh, one of my best friends, Ray Hykus, and when we were working on the project, I met the people who created the original prop, uh, Karen Kolofsky and Global Effects, and, you know, I became really good friends with her, and uh, long story short, um, she passed away this past year, and everyone knows that um, Son of the Mask wasn't exactly uh, the gem of Hollywood, and... Uh, you know, I'm both very prideful to have started my career on that film, but at the same time, it's like a stain that you just can't, you know, wipe off. And I've made jokes for years and years, because I'm, I'm no longer a, um, a special effects artist. I, you know, I switched over to become a, a, 
a director of photography and a uh, and a executive producer and producer, and I owned a soundstage for a number of years. And I've been joking for years and years that we were going to make a film. We were going to make a film with or without, you know, uh, <laughs> with or without um, New Line Cinema. And um, somebody so stop me. Is that where the joke goes right there? Sorry. Say what? Oh, I, that was the part where you go, somebody stop me. Uh, that was, that, <laughs> yeah. That, that was that. <laughs> and uh, so basically we had written hundreds of scripts, and uh, my uh, co-writer Kyle Parker, who is also in the film, uh, basically uh, we were sitting down one day and we thought, okay, you know, what would something that would be very universal to, you know, the original movie – and the comic books. I've always been a huge fan of the comics. Um, you know, when I was a child, uh, I was a 90s kid, so of course I I watched, you know, the movie, but then I saw the comics after, and I'm like, wow, these are so drastically different, and yet exactly the same. You know, it's, it's really funny what they chose to pick, uh, you know, to cut out of the film, and what they kept, you know, certain elements of to, to kind of bring that darkness that... Um, that it's dark, exciting humor uh, and cartoon violence. And um, so long story short, I had submitted a version to Dark Horse, and I said, you know, if I was to do this, because I, I told him I'm going to do it with or without them. But, you know, Hold on, Dylan. Yep. You're saying Dark Horse Comics? Yeah. Wow. Dark Horse Comics, okay. And I told him that I, you know, was going to do this with or without them. Because, you know, you could, you could do whatever you want. You can make a fan film. You just can't make any money from it. You know, not, yeah. a, not a dime, as Sandy Kalali would tell you. Uh, I hope I pronounced his name right. Um, who made that brilliant uh, Predator uh, Batman fan film back in the day. Um, but, uh, you know, what really inspired me to contact them was the, the recent uh, fan film that was done um, with that Power Rangers fan film. See, I'm not, a, I'm not a Power Rangers fan, and I saw that fan film, and I was like, holy crap, that is amazing. You're talking about that, that darker was, one, right, where they were trying to... Yeah, and the whole joke of that was to say that Hollywood was making all these dark, gritty reboots, you know, and taking all these kids' properties and making them as such. And within doing so, you know... I don't know if they realized it or not, but they're pretty much solely responsible for rebooting the Power Rangers franchise. Yeah, because that's the one with James Vanderbeek, right? Yeah. Um, because of the popularity of that property, that greenlit a Power Rangers movie. You know? And so, basically, once my friend had passed away this year, um, Karen, you know, I got together with Kyle, we chose a script, we submitted it to Dark Horse, and they said that they loved it. Um, and they said they'd be behind it. And the only thing was that, uh, because I was under the assumption that New Line no longer owned the copyright, uh, or sorry, the permissions to use that property, because sure. when they were bought out by Warner, the property didn't uh, transfer. Um, so I thought it was free and clear, but apparently uh, the company still holding on to it with an iron death grip is uh, CBS. So... As of right now, we basically, we made it with the, you know, the golden thumbs up, and we're basically, we have no choice but to list it as a fan film, but there's still the chance that CBS can say, yes, 
I'll still make no money from it, but it will be, you know, completely out of fan film territory, which would be incredible. But even if we still have to release it as such, you know, like all these other brilliant films, I would have no problem with it because that was the whole point of making this project was that it's for fans of the comic and of the people who love the original movie. I, I feel like there should be a workaround to that, like the, the CBS version, Jim Carrey's version of The Mask. And you had, you had even talked about color earlier, about the, the comics are much darker, and like the movie and the cartoon are obviously much more cartoonish, much brighter, more color pops yeah. uh, a lot more and more playful about it here too. And so that seems almost like it's just a based idea off of The Mask, whereas this one, yours, The Revenge of the Mask, is mm-hmm. more true to the material. So I, I wonder if... Yes. Uh, well, fingers crossed, maybe that's just me, that uh, there's some legal workaround of, of some creative content there that, that can be made in, to something. You know, even if there was, I, I... You know, I'm a big believer that, you know, like, like the, one of the first things I did after I talked to Dark Horse was I sent a message... Um, to Mark, the, the creator of The Mask, and I, I sent him everything. I still haven't got a response yet, but I'm hoping maybe after he sees the trailer he'll send me one. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I told him, you know, I loved his work, and I hope that he, you know, likes our interpretation. Because um, basically the way that we're going is that we're using the stylistic elements created by the film, so it's recognizable to the original fans. Sure, but we're sure, using sure. the thematic overtones created by the comics. And basically what we're doing is, you know, because when you had Stanley in the original film, Wear the Mask, it brought out his innermost desires. And Stanley, in that version at least, he didn't have a evil bone in his body. Mm-hmm. Basically, he was just a guy who was down on his luck and a hopeless romantic. But then the closest thing they had to the comic book version of the mask was Dorian, who, you know, wore the mask. And if you notice, he had more control over himself than Stanley did because he he already kind of wore his personality on his sleeves. He was a bad guy, and when he put on the mask, he got worse. So when we developed the character of Alan, we thought, what if we do the story of a man who thinks he's the hero but even unknown to him, he's really the villain. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You can make up little picks, a little little hints of that maybe in the in the trailer of uh, uh-huh. cuts and dialogue. There. This is okay. Okay. Please go on. Yep. And uh, so this is really uh, a journey of insanity, and then someone coming to terms with who they really are, even if that person is a monster. Oh my God! The duality that you have—that is so fascinating. I'm excited. Well, here's here's kind of sort of what I would like to know in in, in that regard. Like, is is you're? I mean, obviously we're going more off the comics. You know, yeah. we know we're we know we're introduced to, to to Stanley who gets beat up on the way to go get get the mask, and he's thinking about going and beating up the people who who just beat him up. And then he gets there, he puts on the mask, and he goes out and just, you know, he murders people. At one point, he puts on camo and goes out and murders dudes in a garage who ripped him off once. Sodomizes like, mechanics. Yeah, yeah. So so what I'm interested to know is, is, is this like a combination of, of different things, of different, like, things that, that, that he had done? Or where were your thoughts are, like, when you were creating that? Were I wanted that? to create a completely original story 
Okay. Um, so I can tell you that there, you know, if, if there is, it's completely unintentional. Um, you know, if that, if that usually happens, but there is, you know, there is the, basically the way I looked at it is I wanted to take the filter off. If this person on the inside was really a sociopath, you know, the moment he puts on the mask, I would say the first maybe 30 seconds, it's pretty funny. It's pretty lighthearted. He even has, you know, a couple of jokes get thrown out there. And then he comes to the realization, oh, I have something to do, you know. And it, then it kind of gets started on a very Stanley kind of path. Um, so, you know, his original idea, and, God, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, just, like, you know, maybe yeah. antics, maybe he just, and his... The antics are very similar, and of course it's it's very cartoon violence. But you know, one thing, uh, you know, we have an amazing special effects department, so we got away with a lot. Um, but the way I wanted to put it was that, you know, and this is always the thing that fascinated the hell out of me in the comics, is that the mask had a huge variety of powers, and that's because basically when you put on that mask, you're a god for as long as you're wearing it. And the powers mm-hmm. of the mask is really only limited by the person who's wearing it. So, however, the imagination of that person is, if he thinks, oh, well, I want to shove a chainsaw up that guy's ass, then he can do it. Or if he wants to do something ironic, like, you know, take a leg breaker and break his legs off of the baseball bat, then he'll do it. So, you know, not to confirm or deny either of those things happen. <laughs> well, then, in, in that case, can, can I uh, ask something that did happen in the trailer? There, there were some uh, some Nordic, some some Viking fights there, and, and I noticed that in one scene, one of them, uh, a boat scene, one of them was holding the mast too. Is this maybe uh, some some origin that you're trying to throw in? Oh, how much can I say? Can I give away? Maybe just let's a yes just or say, no. I don't want to too much, but I'll take just, anything I can get. Did you guys ever see um, a deleted scene from the original mask? that they were going to put in the film. It, it was even shot, um, and they did everything. It had music. It was actually the original opening of the movie with Vikings. Did you ever see it? I know of it. Uh, I have never seen it myself. I can't say. I'm going to Google it after this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there was a whole opening to the mask that explains how the mask ended up where it was, and it was Leif Erikson and his ill um, driving up on their big-ass boat and dropping the mask off and putting a curse on it, which, of course, is something went to the lines of, I curse the poor fool who opens this box. And it's oh. the reason why the guy dies at the beginning of the movie, the one who opens the chest, that pole drops on him. That's right. Yeah. So, and right as they're leaving, they have this nice little joke uh, that's pretty pretty funny, where uh, he says something in the regard of, uh, sir, you found the new world, you have the right to name it. And he says, leave it to the Italians. This place is cursed. Um, <laughs> you know, and then they promptly leave. And then they do kind of a just light transition. I don't know why they cut it out. It was a bit cheesy, and the costumes were horrible. I think it was probably shot second unit, and that's probably why it didn't work out. But um, regardless, that was an inspiration for, let's just say, something that may or may not get released separately. Uh or very, very soon, that explains how our chest ended up on our beach. Mm. Now, 
Now, now, Dylan, going into the actual making of the film here, I noticed something, and I don't know if you actually filmed it. I'm just curious, but it seems like I've seen a lot of photos of you holding a red. Did you film this movie on a red? Um, we filmed parts of it on a red. A lot of the special effects sequences are second unit. Um, uh, but uh, my DP on this project, uh, the brilliant Ishtavon Letting, um, he shot the movie on a Ari Alexa Mini. Oh. So, yes, it is. It is The whole movie was professionally uh, shot. Um, the sound was done by the brilliant Matt Sisko. We had a full, it was a full team. So it was, it was, it was shot like a real movie. Um, you know, yeah, we had a full two units. Um, it was directed by the brilliant uh, Ryan De Silva. And Ryan does big movies. He, you know, he got off Venom as a first AD. I think. He oh just shit! Got, really? Yeah, he just wrapped on uh, Avengers two, uh, the reshoots. He just wrapped on that. He just shot the new uh, Watchmen series. So uh, when he was ading my project, he ran that that set like an iron, you know, with an iron fist, and uh, we ran very smoothly. Um, but regardless, we had we shot in April, so we had a. Uh, so many weather problems, um, especially up in Michigan. <laughs> oh yeah, Michigan, and it's it, Michigan itself is already insanely unpredictable. Yep, uh, insanely. And our first day of shooting, uh, the first scene that we were supposed to shoot was uh, the bridge scene that you see in the trailer. And when we got to set, it was raining the night before, and the water had gotten so high that it actually got up to the level of the bridge. <laughs> um, and uh, if anyone's ever shot in Michigan, getting permits to shoot is a hellish experience on its own. And um, so every time we had to come back for a reshoot, it costed more money and more of me shaking my ass in front of the city of Wyandotte. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> explaining, explaining why it was safe for me to, you know, drop a man over a bridge. Um but, no, uh, the first day that we did end up shooting, and this, we were three days behind schedule just because of weather. Um, we basically, we said, fuck it. Um, we drove to the first location. So the first day was actually the day that Alan wakes up and finds the chest. And when we got on set, it was hailing, and then it stopped for 40 minutes when we shot. And then it started snowing. We stopped. It stopped for 40 minutes, and then we shot. And then finally it started raining, and I'm, I mean pouring rain. My props department was so angry with me because <laughs> we only had three of those chests, and, you know, they have paint on them, and they kept getting they horribly They had paint wet. on them. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then finally we got through all that. And, of course, you know, we're working with steady cam rigs and stuff, and none of that crap can get wet. So um, finally the weather let up, and we were heading back. And as we were heading back, there was a tornado warning. So Jesus. Our first day, basically, Lance, my director, he just goes, Dylan, this movie's fucking cursed. And I said, it's Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Loki. Loved it. No, but after, after day one, things got a hell of a lot easier, though. Um, you know, we shot promptly for, I think, about 16 days. Um most of them were consecutive. I think we only had one long break in between. But otherwise, it was a very smooth shooting experience, and everybody on crew was just brilliant. Awesome. How long was the cut? Uh, the cut for the film as of right now, um, 
without other scenes I can't talk about is about 45 minutes, and that's out, not without the in-betweens. Um, right. And um, there's a whole bunch of content that we shot that's going to be released um, onto the YouTube channel consecutively. Um, so I can say that there is an event in the film, and basically there's a huge gap of time that you really don't see in the movie. And so we thought it would be cool as if we shot all these excerpts of things that happen in between this time that you don't see um, that's going to be played during the credits of the film, and uh, we're also going to be releasing them to YouTube. Um, and they're all basically going to be found footage of Big Head kind of going throughout the town and uh, reaping his revenge in various ways, ridiculous ways. This is gonna be good. I'm I'm excited to see this 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 version of the real version of the, of the mask. This is uh, this is gonna be great, man. Assuming assuming all goes well, where do you plan and how do you plan on releasing it? Well, as of right now, the general plan is, of course, YouTube. But the secondary plan is to release it on Dark Horse's website, which right now is a guarantee. As long as I mean, that's even if it's still regarded as a fan film which is cool, and they're being awesome with that. But uh, the only way that cannot happen is if CBS just flat-out hates it, um, which, as of right now, they have given me no indication that they do, so that's cool. In fact, the only note that I got back from Dark Horse after we submitted the first rough cut was they thought it wasn't bloody enough. <laughs> nice. That's, that's what you want. That's what that's yeah. you need right there. But you think like within the tones of like uh, Logan and Deadpool and now Venom that like yeah. these these darker movies are starting to uh, come up to the surface a bit more. Oh yeah, no. So we we took that as genuine, and we went out the next day, and we had about I think a day and a half of reshoots, and they weren't really reshoots as so much as gallons of blood being pumped through puppets, and uh, my poor stuntman Bobby getting hundreds of squibs rigged to him and all kinds of crazy uh, gore effects that we just kind of slipped into the movie. Now, Dylan, we want to take this time since you are our guest and we want the fans of the movie guys verse to really check out this trailer and get the hype build up to when the movie's released. So it's kind of a two parter where on YouTube can they find this trailer? Well, they can find the trailer on uh, Revenge of the Mask film. Uh, I believe that's what it is. Um, and you know, our Facebook page has the same name, Revenge of the Mask. Um, the movie um, uh, will have, like I said, consecutive uh, clips released and a bunch of content. So every time you guys come back, there will be something new up there all the way to the film's release. Now, when is the film going to be released, and where can our fans of the Movie Guys Verse watch this movie? When can they see this, and how? Uh, they can watch the movie October 31st at about approximately 6 a.m., um, and uh, they can watch it on uh, Dark Horse's website or YouTube, and uh, it will be uh, it will be a lot of fun. Uh, I can tell you this movie is going to be... If you're a fan of the comic, this is everything you're going to want it to be. And because uh, we're fans and we know what people have 
been asking for for the past, what, going on almost 20 years? <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be a trip. Where where can our where can our fans the guys the people in the movie guys verse where can they find you or do you not want to do you want them to contact you the movie guys verse oh, yeah. they're gonna well you said uh, Revenge uh, of the Mask film uh, the YouTube I confirmed that by the way I just checked it out yep and we also have like sort of Facebook and you guys can also hit me up on Facebook on there as well uh, we have a website that's going to be uh, releasing about two weeks before the movie does. Um, we're still working on it, pumping it, you know, with a bunch of extra content. Um, so we really want to make this as immersive an experience as we can. Kind of do a little bit of world building, uh, if such. Nice. And it's like a passion project. I can tell, like, that you, like, this is really, you know, people are doing it for, for, for the, for, well, because they want, they want the content. This isn't for anything else. This okay. is the money chase, right? As you can tell, this is a really committed oh, no, I, project here. I never plan to make a dime on this project. I I only ever, like I said, this was a promise. I uh, I almost feel, you know, just like I'm sure everyone else who worked on Son of the Mask does feel partly responsible for the death of, you know, <laughs> of that franchise. Um, and uh, this is a promise I made, and it's it's done. And we did it right, and I couldn't be happier with how it turned out. And that's why we wanted to do this little interview with you and why we wanted to get everybody who was a fan here of the Movie Guys Verse to check out Revenge of the Mask because we believe in this project, fans. Hype train. We completely, completely believe in this project. We believe in independent filmmaking. Uh, This is great that these individuals up uh, up in the Detroit, Michigan area actually had the guts to go out and do this. Uh, and we support on it because I knew about the Mask uh, comic book series um, after the Jim Carrey movie was released. And, uh, again, that Jim Carrey movie always will hold a special place in my heart for the age that I was when it came out. But knowing that the source material um, is, is, is what Dylan and the rest of his team are doing is something to take a look at. And you don't get, right. and you don't get 1.8 million views on YouTube by doing crap. Actually, I mean, it's, actually, it's I, gone I up. I think it's close to three million now. Yeah, yeah, it's it, close to three million it, now. It's gone up actually since I've just checked. It's gone up, so it's getting closer to that. Congratulations! Seriously, Thank congratulations! You, congratulations! You deserve it, Dylan. You and your team deserve it. And we do, re- of course, we here at Movie Guys Podcast do review new movies on a weekly basis, but we do always love independent film, and we appreciate you truly. For doing so, something like this, because it's awesome to right, us. Yeah, thank you. No problem, guys. I appreciate it. I want to give one final shout out to uh, Ishtavan, uh, Lance, Bobby, uh, Tracy, Nell, and all those guys who worked on this project. And of course, my uh, my wife Christina Tomlinson, who's also a producer on this. Uh, and anybody I'm forgetting, I'm horribly sorry. But everybody involved in this project are all fans, and I hope you guys out there who are fans will enjoy this project because it was one hell of a ride. And this was one hell of a ride talking with you, Dylan. And you, everybody at the Movie Guys Verse, you can check us out at movieguyspodcast.com, movieguyspodbean.com. You can download this episode and many others on iTunes, on Spotify, and also on iHeartRadio. Just search Movie Guys Podcast, and you'll be able to find this episode and many others that we reviewed in the past. Dylan, thank you so much for talking to us. Hang on the line, buddy. Don't hang up yet. 
But Eric and Ed, thank you so much for joining me. And we'll be back next week for another great episode. Have a good night.